How Jellyfish Take Some of the Sting Out of Global Warming. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. A potential crisis between the U.S. and Mexico may have been averted late last week after a deal was struck to settle a dispute over water. Under a 1944 treaty, Mexico is required to deliver water from rivers that flow into the Rio Grande to help fill two reservoirs that are used to supply drinking water to both countries and to U.S. farmers for irrigation. But Mexico is behind on what it must send north. About a month ago, thousands of Mexican farmers, armed with sticks and stones, seized control of a dam in the state of Chihuahua, saying that they are hard hit by drought and the transfer north would leave them unable to sustain their livelihoods. The Associated Press reports that Mexico will make up its shortfall by giving up rights to an enormous amount of water, over 100,000 acre-feet, held in the international reservoirs. In return, the Mexican government will be allowed to use U.S. water stored in the shared reservoirs if there's an extraordinary drought or another emergency. Currently, there's no word whether the Mexican farmers support the new arrangement. Babies might be getting more than formula when they drink from plastic bottles. That's according to a new study that finds feeding bottles release a surprising amount of microplastic into infant formula during its preparation. Researchers at Trinity College Dublin tested 10 types of popular plastic baby bottles. As NPR reports, they followed World Health Organization guidelines to reduce the risk of harmful bacteria, which included shaking the contents to mix the formula. They found that the bottles leaked as much as 16 million microparticles per liter and trillions of smaller nanoplastics. One of the researchers said in a press release that the last thing they wanted to do was unduly alarm parents and that it's possible to lower the risk of ingesting plastics by changing practices around sterilization and formula preparation. For example, the formula could be prepared in a separate non-plastic container and then transferred to a sterilization sterilized plastic feeding bottle once the formula has cooled. Also, caregivers can reduce the level of microplastics by minimizing the bottle's exposure to heat and the amount of shaking. While there's insufficient evidence whether ingesting microplastics is harmful to humans and especially babies, the authors are calling on policymakers to reassess the current guidelines for formula preparation when using plastic bottles. Jellyfish get a bad rap for delivering painful stings and clogging boat motors. But according to a new study, they play a beneficial role by trapping billions of tons of carbon that would otherwise add to global warming. Researchers led by NOAA show that the creatures could store up to 7 billion metric tons of organic carbon each year, an amount equivalent to all the CO2 emissions of the U.S. in 2018. EOS magazine reports that the jellyfish, known as gelatinous zooplankton, reproduce quickly and thrive in warm temperatures and conditions other animals find hostile. They can become numerous when larger predators aren't around to keep them in check. Some think the growing number of jelly-like animals are a grim sign of overfishing. But Jessica Luo, the lead author, said jellies are actually an important food source to animals like sea turtles and provide safe haven for many species of baby fish in addition to the surprising amount of carbon they sequester.
A recent discovery at an ancient Maya city reveals that they were way ahead of other world civilizations in making their water safe to drink. In a reservoir in what was once the city of Tikal in present-day Guatemala, a team of researchers from the University of Cincinnati have found zeolite and quartz, minerals not local to the area. The rocks are effective at helping remove contaminants such as microbes, heavy metals, and nitrogen compounds from water, and a release from the university explains that the minerals are so effective they are used in water filtration systems today. With Tikal's large population and variable climate, the drinking water was prone to contamination, especially from a pigment they used heavily. The scientists say that there is no way the zeolite could have just happened to be there when the reservoir was dug. Instead, the team believes the mineral was brought from a site about 18 miles away. According to one of the researchers, the Maya used this water filtration nearly 2,000 years before similar methods were used in Europe, making it one of the oldest treatment systems of its kind in the world. And finally, we end on a solemn note. A funeral was held last week for the latest victim of the climate crisis, the Clark Glacier in Oregon's Cascade Range is dead. Remnants were collected from remaining ice patches and wrapped in a black funeral shroud, while mourners dressed in black gathered at the steps of the state capitol to pay their respects. Anders Carlson with the research group Oregon Glaciers Institute delivered a eulogy. He explained that although the Clark Glacier has patches of snow and ice, it no longer waxed and waned or produced flowing water like healthy glaciers do, so it was declared deceased. IFL science reports that the ceremony, similar to ones held in Switzerland and Iceland, was meant to raise awareness about the lack of policy and action to slow global warming. At the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, there were an estimated 50 glaciers in Oregon, but the Institute says the number is steadily decreasing. Glaciers play vital roles in reflecting energy, heat, and radiation from the sun back into space, and they also feed streams that provide drinking water, support wildlife, and irrigate crops. The group said that a public mourning was important because a part of our Earth is gone, it's our fault, and it won't come back unless we fundamentally change. And that's it for This Week in Water. We'll see you next time.